everybody. Welcome back to the Bold Sidebar podcast. This is your host, Jeff Horn, talking all things New Jersey Supreme Court. I'm going to jump right in to the interesting opinion that we'll talk about today. The Constitution must operate not just in the best of times, but also in the worst of times. The framers of our federal and state constitutions established a structure of government and system of justice to endure for the ages. Even through crises and perils they could not have envisioned. Those are the words of Justice Albin, writing for a unanimous New Jersey Supreme Court in a case entitled State v. Omar Vega Laregui, a criminal case involving virtual grand juries. So let's jump right in. Everyone knows the court system has been uh, virtual for a year or more now. We're talking today at the end of April 2021 all in response to the COVID-19 pandemic. And frankly, my two cents on that. New Jersey's Supreme Court, trial court, appellate division, lawyers have done an amazing job to keep things moving, albeit at a different frequency and a different pace. There's a lot to learn. What's going on now is on a temporary basis, grand juries are virtual affairs. That is, the grand juries are at remote locations, home, wherever, and they appear on their own technology, or in the case that a grand juror lacks the necessary technology to participate in technology provided by the court system. So, in this instance, this uh, gentleman was charged with drug charges, also resisting arrest, etc., and his case was submitted to a grand jury that had been impaneled prior to COVID, prior to the shutdown, and that same group of grand jurors were still serving. They went from live in-person service to virtual service, and the defendant sought to blow up the indictment through counsel, and it was joined in the Supreme Court by the Association of Criminal Defense Lawyers, New Jersey State Bar Association, and the Attorney General, all of whom submitted briefs in opposition to the conduct of virtual grand juries. The court, I find, is usually fairly solicitous of Amici and sort of looks to these outside experts to uh, not make the decision, but certainly to color the thinking that gives rise to the ultimate decision. In this case, none of the countervailing uh, forces were going to move the court off of the momentum that had been created. Well, let's just jump into some of the points made by the defense bar, state bar, etc that virtual grand juries would be ineffective, would be unconstitutional because the grand jurors would not represent a cross-section of the community. The court uh, called that conjecture and indicated, frankly, that uh, a lot of folks would not show up for grand jury service 
because of their fear of getting sick from COVID, whether they had other uh, conditions, age, etc., that would drive any number of people away from grand jury service. So that argument did not win the day for the defense. In addition, there was an argument that people would lack the technology, i.e. simply not be able to log in and participate and uh, absorb all of the nuances of the grand jury process, and therefore the uh, virtual grand juries should be uh, terminated. The court indicated that it had taken care of this technology problem. Anyone that did not have sufficient technology was supplied with a tablet that had built-in internet service. Furthermore, all of the grand jurors had training, had a dry run, practice grand jury service. The grand jurors are monitored and assistance is available to them through the court staff, Uh, and, of course, through the prosecutors who are presenting at the grand jury. The defense also argued that this defendant and defendants that were early participants in the virtual grand jury process that was rolled out in Bergen and Mercer counties only was the victim of disparate treatment. Again, the court was not buying that, indicating that the grand jury had already been impaneled, so it's the same people. The technology piece has been sorted out, and as it was simply a pilot in two counties, that by the time the case gets to the Supreme Court proper, the program has been rolled out statewide in all 21 counties. The court went on to indicate that a number of fail-safes have been put in place. That is, when a grand juror begins their service on a given session, they perform a 360-degree scan of their environment, environment to make sure no one else is there, that there's no recording devices. Uh, The grand jurors are admonished repeatedly to keep their cell phones off and to keep the proceedings secret. You take the same oath when you walk into the building as you take when you serve virtually, only the additional component of the virtual nature of the proceedings is, is mentioned. The court believes that the process maintains both the secrecy and the sanctity of the grand jury process through all of the protections and fail-safes that have been put in place. And finally, the court notes that there are serious penalties for those who would breach their oath, including potential incarceration. Now, there is also an argument about separation of powers. And we know through COVID that power has undulated through the three branches of government on the federal and state level through this year and change of COVID. Certainly, it starts with the executive's orders, whether it's the federal government, state government, and our state, it's the governor who issued orders shutting things down. The legislature taking action, for example, doubling down on these penalties for those that would breach their oath in the case of a grand jury, breaching grand jury secrecy. And indeed, excuse me, the oath, the grand juror's oath is a product of legislation. 
rather than court made. And the grand jury process was set up by legislation and it is administered by the court system. Again, all under the umbrella of a governor's order saying, lock things down. So the defense wanted to argue that it was outside of the purview of the courts, specifically the New Jersey Supreme Court and the Chief Justice, to run these virtual grand juries in the absence of enabling legislation. Well, this is where we go back. We had our friend uh, Judge Johnson, Nelson Johnson, talking about Battleground, New Jersey, and Chief Justice Vanderbilt having such a key role in the drafting of the 1947 Constitution and then immediately thereafter serving as the Chief Justice. And he penned sort of the first opinions and really important opinion that is cited in this uh, virtual grand jury case, that is Winbury v. Salisbury, a 1950 New Jersey Supreme Court case that highlighted that the 47 Constitution directs that the Supreme Court shall make rules governing the administration of all courts in the state and subject to law, the practice and procedure in all such courts. So the door is open for legislation by the uh, legislative branch and and the executive branch to certainly shape things on a substantive basis. But as it results to opening that door and uh, staffing up and, and allocating resources, that is under the auspices of the Supreme Court, really under the auspices of the Chief Justice. One fun fact about the Winbury v. Salisbury case, and again, Judge Johnson and I have talked a bit about this when we talked about our first Chief Justice Vanderbilt, is that he has a little fun with the phrase subject to law. He writes, the phrase subject to law is not only ambiguous, but elliptical. No word in the law has more varied meanings than the term law itself. So feel free to use that in your arguments. If you feel like you're going down the tubes on something, uh, I think it's an excellent dodge and something I will be using as soon as I need it. It's also important to recognize that we were operating under the 1947 New Jersey Constitution. Going back to the 1844 Constitution, essentially the grand jury process goes all the way back there. And indeed, the framers of the 1844 and the framers of the 1947 Constitution all wrote for, for the ages and all wrote for a government that's responsive in the case of something uh, unforeseen and something very serious. Obviously, 1844 and even the 1947 framers could not have foreseen the uh, ability of technology to serve as a surrogate for entering a room surrounded by court staff, prosecuting attorneys, and the like to attend grand jury service. Well, we've got the technology, and now it's been rolled out millions of times for myriad reasons. And and lest I seem a little flip about all of this, the court reinforces the following numbers that may have escaped me and others, that 
when the courts were shut down, when really New Jersey was shut down, we had only a handful of COVID deaths at that time. As of April 19, 2021, there were 22,551 confirmed COVID deaths over the span of just over a year. Nearly 1 million cases between confirmed and suspected. A large number of suspected COVID deaths unconfirmed. So this has been a, a real crisis. There's no way, other way to look at it. And uh, frankly, my two cents all along has been shock how well our state court system has responded. There are uh, reference. There is reference in this opinion to the fact that other states that have grand jury proceedings. Of the 17 that have grand jury proceedings, five have uh, implemented remote or virtual participation. And frankly, I again tip my cap to the court system. I really believe that we've done an amazing job. And I say we as a practicing lawyer, the, the judges that handle the calendars, even have to learn or relearn how to do their job after you know decades and decades of service as an attorney and then as a judge, I say tip our cap. I admire the ACDL and State Bar Association and Attorney General for fighting hard to keep things fair and straight down the middle and also look up to the Supreme Court who was uh, unmoved by persuasive arguments, but arguments that didn't have a lot of evidence they were more predictive rather than responsive to existing clear-cut evidence or expertise that, let's face it, no one has. When we look back on COVID time, there will be uh, many things that could have been done better, obviously, but uh, things have been done under fire. And all in all, our New Jersey court system has kept humming along. So there you go. So that's the end of today's show. I appreciate it very much. Uh, please give us a review. Please pass this along. As I always ask, if anyone has a case headed to or in the New Jersey Supreme Court, perhaps you're a law clerk for a Supreme Court justice. You want to come on and speak with me just about the operation of the court. I'd be very interested to hear about that. Perspectives from the inside. Uh, you've just argued in the Supreme Court. You know somebody who has, you know somebody who wants to talk about all things New Jersey Supreme Court. Get in touch with me. I'm not hard to find. Thanks a lot.